<laughs> All right, so let's get it going here. So welcome back, everybody, to episode seven of The Size Up. It's really cool to be back with another episode here. Uh, this time we're coming from my basement because it's not as late as the last one, so the kids are still running around upstairs because um, we're still during COVID-19 pandemic quarantine stay at home. I don't even know where we're at with all this stuff anymore, but it's been a lot of days home. But what this is doing for the podcast is allowing me to bring a guest that I was waiting to have on till he came to the East Coast because he's currently on the West Coast with us um, from the hit drama on Fox 911, none other than Oliver Stark. What's up, Oliver? Hey, man, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm glad. I'm excited. We're finally getting a chance to do this. Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while, man. And joining mm-hmm. us, too, before we get too far, is, uh, is Rob from National Fire Radio. He, I, I think he's a little starstruck that I have a, a, a famous person on the podcast uh-huh. who wanted to jump in and co-host this one with me, I think. <laughs> What's up, Rob? Uh, that, you know, it's a, it's a fun day here in paradise up in New York, so we can't complain. <laughs> The dogs sure. haven't destroyed most of the house today, so we're all right. Nice. So, Oliver, where are we <laughs> finding you today in, in the world? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, I've, been, I've been living here for four years, so this is where my life is now. So, uh, so yeah, I'm safely staying at home in, in my house uh, over on the east side of L.A. and uh, just riding it all out, really. That's it, man. We're doing the best we can. You can definitely tell you've been safely, safely staying at home because your hair is not what we see on uh, your normal social media there. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going through daily and fighting daily uh, just to shave it off. Um, no, and was, there was a time that. when I was, I was thinking like, this is, this is the time to try that and go for it. But then I'm like, what if suddenly things do quiet down and we're going back to work and I'm still in the awkward regrowth uh, stage. So, uh, so I've just decided to let it grow into this thing that I, I carry around with me at the moment. It's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, I'm going for the 1990s Glen Plague skier look right now with my mohawk. Yeah, just you're making it work, though. You're making it work. I'm getting there. It's a lot of product, man. I'm like tripling up. <laughs> on I can only imagine how much product that thing takes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going for like mad scientists when, uh, especially if I get off, like if I take my helmet off or something, it's just. <laughs> oh, the helmet. Head this but I would be like, I trust that guy. I trust that guy. <laughs> I trust him because he looks like a man. So it's kind of crazy how um, I came to know Oliver. Um, and it, it's really weird that we're actually doing this now because it was about a year ago that we actually met. Mm. And what happened was is on, uh, I still, even though I don't run 555 social media, I still keep very tight tabs and watches on it. And one night we had released a new hat and people were commenting on the hat. And I happened to notice that one of the people that commented had one of those little blue check marks next to his name on Instagram. <laughs> And I'm like, blue check mark, that means this person is, is somebody, like they're verified by, by the IG, right? So social media lure, I clicked on it and lo and behold, there's Oliver who plays Buck on my son Finn's literally favorite TV show, 911. <laughs> and I was like, oh snap, I, I gotta send this dude a message. Um, and I did, and sure enough, Oliver responded right back um, saying he was a fan of 555 and what we were doing. Um, and that kind of developed into this this friendship online where we, yeah. we've been talking for the entire year about fitness, the show, you know, 
firefighting and, and things like that and, and it grew into this but dude i can't thank you enough for that support for 555 no that's like you know when, when we started working on a show me and the rest of the cast really were very like aware of the fact that we get put in the, the spotlight for what we're doing but really we're portraying the real guys like you know you, you guys um so we were all very keen to like look at charities and stuff and, and be a part of that world that is kind of giving back something to the firefighters community and, and 555 was one that i i came across and really understood the message and and you know felt very in line with the things that i do and and so yeah so i was just i think i i bought a couple of t-shirts from him and yeah i saw the hat and i was like i want the hat too and uh so it's, you know it's funny how things go and and, and work out um, but yeah it's been lovely to kind of get to connect with you through it and understand and, and you know the things that I have spoken to you about have then filtered back into my work so it's it's been it's been really helpful for me at the same time it's just a nice personal experience. Oliver I gotta say I think it's pretty awesome that for the, the cast like I, I had no idea that the cast was um, participating in like finding charities and actually going out and doing the legwork mm-hmm. to um, seek them out and, and find out what their message was and their mission and and then you know put donations and i think that's that's really honorable and i i mean for myself i'm just kind of blown away by that because like and i, I don't know if this will come out wrong but i i, I would not think of the cast no like, sure i get that you know, and I, I think it's awesome no it's, it's it's a good bunch of people and um you know even if it's just going to some of the lafd foundation things and, and certain fundraisers and just as i say it's, it's kind of just being aware for us that we are representing people that you know consider you heroes and, and i hope you consider yourself the same thing um so wanting to show that that we don't all just think like oh yeah but we're cool we're on tv doing it um that, that we know that there are real people whose whose job that actually is it was funny too because when when we had first met i think just a week or two before uh, so Finn, Finn had been watching the show um, on uh, on Hulu, so he kind of was binge watching it. This all happened around mm-hmm. the same time, which is just that, like the universe is, mm-hmm. you know, however the universe works, it works. But uh, there was, so he's like, "Dad, you gotta sit down and watch this episode with me." I'm like, "But I don't, I don't have to watch this show, man." It's like what I, I do. <laughs> it's like, come on. He's like, "We've we've seen this before, buddy." Yeah. Right. So yeah, he's like yeah. pressuring me into watching it. So I watch this one, and it starts out, and it's 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 a full moon episode and I'm mm. like, Oh boy, the full moon. And, and here goes Buck and his partner for a maternity at a prenatal yoga class where mm-hmm. every woman in the prenatal yoga class decides to go into labor at the same time. And Finn's like, dad, have you ever done this before? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, Finn, daddy's delivered a baby or two in his career, but mm-hmm. eight women don't go into labor at the same time. But, but there, I, there are, and of course we take things further, um, but I think there is some kind of statistic that on a full moon, more women give birth. There is. So, so we were just condensing that into one room. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we take the things that are true and there's some evidence behind, and then we just amplify it. And uh, I, I love that scene. I think that that scene was so fun to like make and because it was, it was like one over here drops and then one over here drops and then one over here. And it was just obviously just me and one other guy. and. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a lot of fun, and that's the thing with the show. I feel like we try our best to 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 
some more realistic and how it would be but then as much as you can kind of have that fun around it and and, and kind of you know show a different quirky side to it i think yeah and i think that's one of the things that we uh, we talked about right when when i had conveyed that story back to you like you know full moons are busier for sure like there's always a lore mm-hmm. about the full moon that's a new one by me buddy and you're like yeah you know it's hard to remember that it is a drama it is a tv show that you want yeah. to watch and you guys do a good job of mixing up a lot of stories into one to keep the audience engaged um for sure yeah i, th- I think the kind of pace of the show that it's like we're not a show where there's one big emergency that takes up each episode um you know we have a couple episodes like that but for the most part it's like four or five and hopefully showing the kind of varied scope of um, spectrum of jobs that of calls that these guys you know do go out on um that it's not all fighting fires oh for sure i mean you got you have the medical end of it you have the police end of it and something that i think really separates your show from a lot of the other ones is the the dispatch end of it yes mm. um and the fact yeah, that, I, the I fact just that think... jennifer love hewitt is the dispatcher definitely is a you know a bonus on that. <laughs> that helps <laughs> um yeah because you know I, i've heard it described before and and it's Yes, it's true, and I'm sure you guys would agree, right, in the sense that they are the first first responders, right? Those are the people on the phone that may be talking somebody down, may be giving medical instruction before you guys are able to get there. So I think to kind of show uh, and kind of shine that spotlight on them is something I've not seen in another TV show and something that me as a civilian has never really thought about before. So it's, it's, it's cool to get to be a part of highlighting that job as well because... I just, I don't think there's too much public understanding of what that yeah. job entails. Yeah, the, my, my mother actually retired a couple of years ago and she did, I think it was 26 or 28 years in dispatch. Mm. And she's a dispatching supervisor for Sullivan County 911. And it was, I mean, I, I remember when I got involved in emergency services and I started my career, there was a summer where she called me and she was just crying. And she, mm. had, she had like a bad week and she had like had two people where she was the last person that those people talked to before they perished mm. in the fire and the other yeah. one was something else and like and it was just a bad year like and that happens in the profession I guess you know but like you know you really think about that and like there's like we can see each other right now so like if I'm if you're not happy with something I'm saying I see it and I can get that reaction mm-hmm. but to be as helpless on the other end of a phone and not see the caller and have to hear like I think your imagination can play even such yeah a, oh absolutely like, that's that's why I can't I, I, I could never do the, the, the phone component of being a dispatcher. Yeah. I can tell people where to go and like fill out, you know, units and stuff and be like, second alarm, cool, let's send them. But the, mm-hmm. the actual talking to somebody who's getting their, um, their ass rocked, if somebody's beaten on somebody, I think that's what my mom said that one day yeah. it was a, a domestic abuse case. And there was um, the, the kid called and said, yeah, daddy's really angry at mom. And my mother could hear like the, the impact mm-hmm. of the guy hitting. And I was just like, and she said, and all I can do is sit there and go, I, I hope those, police officers drive fast yeah know? like and, so helpless but at the same time trying to offer w- mm-hmm. whatever help they can and our one of our new writers coming into the fourth season was a dispatcher for 20 years and she's now a writer for tv so hopefully you know she can continue to kind of flesh out that stuff and, and bring moments like that in um that you know just really hit home how hard and difficult mentally that job can be mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a huge part of what we're seeing now. You know, I, I dispatched for about eight years, and it was an, it's an interesting position to be in for sure. Um, mm. And what you guys, again, on the show that I've noticed, at least from, from 
watching along with Finn is, is just that mental aspect and the stressors that it brings on us. Um, dispatchers, police, fire. And I know for the, the tsunami episode, you know, you were going mm -hmm. through, Buck, your character was definitely going through some, some mental stressors. And I think you do a really good job. The show does a good job of showing that as a different side than just the flashy light sirens and uniforms. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think a whole thing around it is not just showing a like tough, macho element, but the, the psychological impact as well. I, I know in the first season, uh, Pete, who plays the captain on the show, Bobby Nash, he had a storyline where a call that he couldn't save the guy just, just hit him really hard, um, that particular one, and, and, he was, and he was contemplating some really dark stuff, and, and a real-life captain reached out to him and said, I've never seen what I sometimes feel so accurately portrayed, but, but thank you, because that is, it is really hard sometimes, and, and it's not always you know, the, the glamour of saving lives. And um, even actually, it's funny, the little things that people have picked up on that really surprised me, for example, in that tsunami episode that you, you mentioned, um, there's a bit where I'm in the water and I kind of got somebody up onto this fire truck. And then I think it's like 12 more bodies come around the corner. I just had this moment of like, ah, we go again before I go and save them. And this guy reached out to me on Instagram, he's a firefighter and he said, thanks like that moment really read to me that it's not always like yes more people to save it's like oh man here we go again and and then it's not always so you know just i guess it is adrenaline and instinct that takes over but it's not always easy and it's not always fun it's like all right fine here we go and 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 so that we get to kind of play out those moments i think is is hopefully fleshing out that job a little bit more and, and as i say just kind of shining a light on all aspects of it yeah, it's, it's very much bringing it back to the people who wear uniforms, whether they be police, fire, EMS, military, are all just people like everyone else. Mm -hmm. you just choose to do a really challenging job. Yeah, and, and when I actually, it's funny you said it, because the like log line for the show when I first joined on it was these people who have their personal emergencies, balancing it with the emergencies that they have to go on as part of their job. And it's true, right? It's like, yeah, as, as somebody who doesn't do that job, you, you sometimes you forget the first responders are real people, that there's something going on at home. But then when the time comes, you guys are going to still come through that door and save me and put your own personal emergencies at the back of your mind or whatever it is. And, and I think that was a real goal of the show to show that, yes, you're right, it's, it's these people. And, and the uniform may feel like some kind of shield to that, but it's not. And, and there are just real, real people with their own personal emergencies underneath it. 100%. How, how did you prepare for, for this role when you like got cast for this show? Is there like, did they send you mm -hmm. to like do a ride along or did you like read books or like, how, how, cause like, you know, a lot of people have been watching stuff on that Waco series and that guy had to play mm -hmm. uh, David Koresh from the branch Davidian. I don't know how he did it, mm -hmm. but like he did it really well. But like, how do mm -hmm. you, Get yourself prepared for that so so i watched um watched a lot of documentaries there's one i think it's called burn on netflix about detroit firefighters which i found yeah. really interesting um and then myself and uh kenneth Choi, who's another member of the cast he had a buddy who was a firefighter out here so we went down to his station and hung out for about six hours um we went on whenever a call came in we went with them only three calls came in that day um 
and it was uh, a guy who had been hit by a car. I say hit by a car. The car had like reversed very slowly and hit this guy. And and it was one of the, everybody was a bit like, he's not hurt. He's fine. He's uh, looking for something. So there was that. There was quite an interesting call where this guy had been hiking and then he just had like real testicle pain. He was like, and he was like peeled over. He was fine as well in the end. Um, and then a homeless guy had been attacked, which was a, a darker one and very bloody scene to, to turn up to. So it was just, it was, that was really interesting for us because it wasn't even the calls going out and seeing the stuff that was the most kind of educational. It was more just being around the guys, the girls at the firehouse and being in the truck with them and, and seeing the conversation on the way there and on the way back. And at one point we all just went out to a coffee shop and got some coffees and try and just like seeing how people interacted with them and how they interacted with each other. It was a, uh, it was really interesting just to see that side and to be like, oh, okay, these relationships, uh, these guys just make fun of each other all day. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that, 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 but in like yeah. the most loving way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a true brotherhood and, and sisterhood. You know, it's a family. It's your, your home away from home while you're at work and you need to have those relationships, you know, and mm-hmm. that brings us closer together as a unit. You know, the three calls that you just described were, that's a typical day for most engine mm-hmm. companies in America, minus the hiking end of it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Hiking calls. But, you know, we're, we're not going to tsunamis don't happen every day. You of know course. what I mean? Those types of things. Um, you know, recently with what's happened, we, we've definitely transitioned roles into, you know, EMS has always been a larger part of our careers. But just now with the pandemic, it has taken over pretty much in what we do let's say Mm -hmm. um so that's a whole different aspect of it but i think the show again does a good job of showing all those different aspects to it and how so with things being slightly different right now does that change how the job feels to you or or? 100 sure yeah especially for us because so rob is in like downstate new york i'm in central new jersey so we're in the harder hit areas from this and you know station life for the last i think i just heard today the kids the kids were in school and i think they've been homeschooled now for eight weeks so let's say the past eight weeks station life of um social distancing masks 24 7 um you know no training no driving around the coffee shops you know Mm -hmm. things that we would do on our normal basis you know no no high fives you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. no anything like that it's changed the way the firehouse is for us. It sounds almost like it's becoming from something that is so tight knit. And like, as you say, like a family, it's almost quite lonely and isolating because I'm guessing you can't be around each other too much. For sure. Uh, spending time. Uh, I work in a pretty big firehouse. Uh, um, well, it's a three, two companies and a chief. Um, we could have three companies and a chief and it just so happened that we've been really high on staffing. So we've had 14 people in my station and most of the day you're by yourself unless you're in the apparatus or you know you're on the floor but it's not like where all 14 of us are in the same room doing something mm-hmm. we eat in shifts you know we don't eat together because we have a, a smaller kitchen area so they limit it mm-hmm. how many people can be in the kitchen so it's been a big change but we're also trying to make it so no one feels isolated so that doesn't yeah. affect you negatively yeah mm-hmm. we are my my firehouse is so small that we can't socially distance like it's just not it's not mm-hmm. possible so if anybody has any kind of like a cough or something like that we just put we're putting a mask on them and uh, we disinfect the firehouse like two times a day 
but I think for for me the the strangest part of this and the hardest part is that like we're not open anymore like and I mean obviously we're still there we're right. still going on calls but like like we have a car seat program that's very um very successful and there are like our new mothers who are you know they're bringing a child into this world in this crisis and we can't have them come to it to the station mm-hmm. because of the rules that we can't help them with their car seat like when I see if I'm out with the engine at Home Depot or something like we can't put that kid in the front seat of the engine and, and let them like hit the bell kind of thing you know and that yeah, yeah, yeah. like that stuff just pains me because that's that's what like that's one of the best parts of this job is like letting that kid jump up in the rig and put your helmet on and yeah. have mom and dad take the picture with them and stuff you know and uh so for me that's been the, the tough part you know mm-hmm. yeah, and we're hoping we're starting to see a, a decline in things on the east yeah. coast so hopefully we're going to come out of that soon but for sure the doors being closed you know not being a public figure you know and it's uh it's something that you just fall into as a firefighter you know the, oh of course I, I you know i'm sure it's not a conscious choice to like see yourself as this thing it just it just happens and and you know the way people treat you becomes normal and and so uh, so i can only imagine that, that now not being able to access that feels feel very different yeah especially too with the weather breaking here you know like doors are always up at the firehouse you know like you're out front like hanging out out front of the firehouse after mm-hmm. like, all the work is done during the day and, and that yeah, 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 camaraderie yeah. that goes on in in the neighborhood that i work in it's almost expected that we're all outside at night and we can't do that anymore at all either so it's uh it's been uh-huh. unique, sure. I don't know how many lost tourists I usually help with directions to around this time of year because the door's up. They'll pull up and they'll beep the horn or something, and, you know, wander in and be like, yeah, I'm trying to find the FDR yeah, yeah, state yeah. or the walkway over the Hudson. And I'm like, oh, and, you know, we print them out directions and send them on their way and like that. None of that. <laughs> Nothing. It's, and two, then there's this end of it too where, you know, you, you were out in the engine with those guys driving around, you know, so we've been out in the engine going on calls or anything and it's like you're the only vehicle on the roadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun, it's funny, you know, even here in LA, like driving to the grocery store, LA, a city that is known for its traffic. Yeah. Clear roads. It's just, it's so easy. And, and it's funny, you can step outside and you, the air is cleaner. You, you can, there's like a palpable difference in it that there are definitely less cars on the road. And just, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, obviously it's a horrible, horrible thing that's happening. But uh, possibly there will be some positives that, that, that come from it, you know, environmentally and, and maybe just in the way that we do look at practices and hygiene and stuff. And it's, it's finding that kind of balance, I think. Well, that's it, too. And you, you see that a lot on social media, you know, where there's a lot of negativity going on about this, that or the other thing. And for me and for, you know, the way that I kind of do things, it's, it's all about being positive, you know, and it's very easy to go down that negative rabbit hole. But when you try to think of the positives, like I look at this as like more time spent with my kids, you know, mm-hmm. more time doing projects around the house, you know, trying to find those positives to keep me going um, just so I can stay moderately sane. Yeah. And, and I mean, for me, you know, like I feel guilty to say sometimes, but I'm actually quite enjoying this time. But I'm also very aware that I'm in a position where I'm, I'm able to enjoy this time. And, you know, I would be on my break from work now anyway. Like this would be our break between season three and season four. And that, so, yeah, it's, it's one thing for me to be like, it's great. I can read, I can work out, I can spend time with my girlfriend and feel no pressure. But also to remember that 
that's not the case for most people and and you know uh, having both of those things in your head at the same time is actually okay and quite human and of course too you have the, the financial end of it you know we're, we're very fortunate that we are still able to go to work and, and collect the mm -hmm. paycheck yeah. um, but our jobs are also putting us into extra mm -hmm. harm's way let's say um and not that it wasn't something that, again, we didn't sign up for because we knew our jobs were going to be dangerous when we took them. It's just a new kind of danger. Um, the pandemic was not on the test that I took. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing about a, a, a very bad cough that was going to kill you. It yeah. didn't even say anything about tuberculosis, to be honest. So, well, just, and, and I guess, right, when, when, you get, when you know that you're going into a job like that, you kind of also expect that there will be a wealth of the proper safety equipment and, mm -hmm. and you know like for example for nurses who haven't been able to get their PPE or, or you know it's been difficult like you expect like if I'm going to be taking on this more dangerous job the government's going to take care of me though right and and it's when then that hasn't necessarily happened that it becomes really like is this what I signed up for I'm sure no, no, it definitely becomes that very rapidly, you know, when you see that, you know, and especially like for us, and it's, it's like, you know, you, you learned probably what PPE was two years ago when the show started, right? Now PPE is in, everyone in America knows what the word PPE mm -hmm. is, right? Yeah, and yeah. When you think people aren't getting the proper PPE that they need, that becomes a big issue. And, and for my department in the beginning, we had, uh, obviously we have structural firefighting PPE, but this stuff we had very little of because we did EMS, but it wasn't a worry. Like, like Robert said, before, mm -hmm. it wasn't yeah. that big of a need. And so in the beginning we were scrambling, we were putting anything together we could to make it happen. One of the uh, things that I put under the table a long time ago in the firehouse was uh, the quote from Anthony Bourdain. When it, I just pulled it up as firefighters in my experience are a lot like the Marines I've met over the years, no matter how badly led, ridiculously under-equipped, under-appreciated. Oh, come on, phone. Um, no matter how doomed their mission, they take a bizarre and quite beautiful pride in at least being screwed more than any, everybody else and doing it with style. They seem to do what they do for themselves. It's not a job. It's a calling. And I think when we started looking at like issues with PPE and how we were going to enter this brave new world, like, you know, like we would just kind of look at each other and be like, well, I guess we're fucked, but like, we're going to go through with it. Like, it's going to mm -hmm. be okay. And we figured it out. And, you know, and I saw like, we, like, we saw so much ingenuity in different fire stations across the country from like even like uh people using um the paint sprayers you know to, <laughs> to to help decon equipment or a, a fogger mm -hmm. from uh home depot or you know like just a different the various different methods people were using to, to disinfect stuff and you know like we've i mean i i can't speak for the whole country but i know for our area we've embraced what we can embrace and we're just we're still we're still mm -hmm. going that that mentality that you just described there of well we'll just find a way we'll just get, do you think that's something that you see in younger firefighters as well like guys that are just starting out or do you think that is something that experience brings oh, out? this guy this guy's been doing some homework on us i think this is turning into the oliver show yeah i like it uh, <laughs> i i think for for younger firefighters um maybe not so much i mean the the good thing is a younger firefighter has and we talk about it on the podcast a lot is that connection to a cell phone and they can like they're they can look stuff up and that's been a huge resource for and if anybody's not doing it they have to tap into their young firefighters for that because they can look up information and facts and like 
like if I had one of my probies here, I could be like, tell me who Oliver Sark is. And within like five minutes, three of them would be around me and be like, all right, he's from here. He just does this. This is what he's done. He's <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but like that aspect, but like when it comes to dealing with the calls and like when you first get that COVID patient and everything else, uh, I think the senior firefighters, that's when they come in and they're like, all right, like when they're, cause you're nervous, you're scared. Like at least mm-hmm. I was the first cardiac arrest we did when we knew that that stuff was around us. And it was like, all right, you know, you had the mask on, you had the gloves on, you had the goggles on, like we've taken all the precautions. So like take a deep breath and understand that you're doing everything you can do to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of give them the, like lead them to where they can, you know, figure that out, accept it and then, and move on and know that, okay, we're doing the right thing. There's definitely a difference with the younger guys uh, coming in. You know, I've been on 16 years now um, and it, they're just different people. They grew up differently than, than I grew up 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. My senior man grew up 16 years before that. Um, there's definitely a little bit of lack of the personal connection, you know, because they've grown up in more of a technology age. But mm-hmm. you just have to, and we have to, as the older guys and officers, have to adapt to that. And like Rob said, find you know, their strong points. Like, hey, listen, how do mm-hmm. we make a fogger? You know, look online. There's videos online, and they pretty much can find the best one faster than I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been very And something you guys, too, just did on the show, because Finn told me about this uh, maybe an episode or two ago in this season, is you helped out a retired firefighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really lovely episode, and so and the, the guy that they cast was a firefighter. He was firefighter for twenty years in Brooklyn. Oh um, wow! Okay, I didn't know that. And yeah, so he he was a firefighter for twenty years, and then he quit that, and he became an actor, and he was in show. He was in Rescue Me. He was on. He was a backdraft. So he's then played a firefighter lots of times, um, and then he came into our show as this retired firefighter, and he was. Uh, every bit the east coast firefighter still <laughs> he was uh, and and you know obviously we're shows set on the west coast and so he, he was finding lots of issues with with the way that the west coast firefighters do things um but it was it was really fun and it was just i guess part of it was which i guess you guys could weigh in on something within the show that my character deals with is that he doesn't really have an identity outside of being a firefighter it is his whole life. He doesn't have any relationships outside of his firehouse. And basically, it was this firefighter who had retired and was basically saying that I don't have any kids, I don't have a wife, I have nothing, I have no one. And, and all these you know, people that I thought would be around me forever aren't really anymore, and I'm just lonely. And, and so it was kind of an eye-opener to my character that, right, this is who I am, this is what I do, but it's okay to have other things in my life. Um, and then towards the end of the episode, he, uh, he becomes very sick and he knows he's going to die. So my character kind of organizes this send-off. So we come and get him out of the hospital and all, all his old firehouse are there saluting and my firehouse and we put him in a truck and drive him home kind of one last time. So uh, yeah, it was quite an emotional episode, but uh, just a real insight and so, you know, what it can be like and, and, and how much it can take over your life if, if you let it, but uh, that it's important to hopefully have something else going on. That's a, it's a very important part of what we do is tradition, you know, and, and family like you talk about, but that end of also being able to turn it off and come home to a family, you know, mm-hmm. and to say like, you know, I'm really fortunate in, in my life where I have work 
and then I leave mm -hmm. work and I come home and I have, I have Tracy and the boys. Um, and that's a big part of the mental stressors that goes on and, and how you can deal with that. Um, and it sounds like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that'll change buck for season four for a little bit too, but it's a big thing so. in the firehouse where you have someone who's yeah, and about work. There was, there was this kind of a uh, moment in the episode where, you know, he, he was talking about all his, his, his firehouse and all his great friends and everything. It's kind of like, well, do you still see them? And it was like, you know, we did for the first few years and then it became, you know, twice a year we'd have barbecues and then it just kind of becomes a card when one of my new grandkids and how just you know those relationships slowly which uh, of course is not what's going to happen for everybody but that as an example in his life the people that had been so close to him you know life happens and and things do drift people apart unfortunately um and that that's okay but just just know that if you don't have anything else to cling on to, then, then you might be left by yourself. So it was a, it was, it was a very interesting episode. And um, he was, uh, I'd say it's quite a character, a guy called Jack McGee. So we have a, a consultant on set, uh, a guy called Mike Bowman, who was a chief over here, really been involved in a lot of things. Um, every kind of firefighter that I meet in LA knows this guy. So then Jack comes in, East Coast is like, no, 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 we wouldn't do it like that, we do it like this. And it's uh, and so they were they were butting heads a little bit in, in the way that you would expect. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun to get to work with them. I think years ago, I took an East Coast versus West Coast truck class, and mm. it reminded me of like rap culture. Like, it was when I was like <laughs> West Coast, East Coast, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, are these guys gonna like fight? I mean, like, and I, it was just part <laughs> of the class, but like, you could see, you, you could see in the room who was from the west coast who was from the east coast mm -hmm. and where they sat and i was like the only thing we're missing here is colors boys like we just yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, like tag up or something i don't know but it was uh yeah like it's it's always interesting to talk to west coast firefighters from my perspective and them to us and I, I remember one guy saying to me one time he's like i could never do your firefighting and i'm like what are you talking about and he's like oh you got these multiple alarm fires and these big buildings and you know and i was like dude i i don't know if you've looked at me but i'm not fighting a wildland firefighter that's that's insane <laughs> He's like, oh no, it's a great time. You should come do it. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm good, B. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the high rise any day. Like you, mm -hmm. you do you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good to see that. It's uh, funny too that you pick up, like you guys pick up on those types of things. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure the East Coast. I can I can I can tell how the East Coast guy would have been for sure. But it's cool that as you guys see that and you pick up on it, and that's firefighting, you know, and that that's the emergency services. You know, it's always going to be a little different. There's always going to be that yeah. fun and playful aspect. Healthy rivalry. Healthy rivalry. It's a good, it's a nice way to put it. But at the end, as we say on the East Coast, at the end of the day, we all are out there for the same reason, right? And that, that's the key. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that, and I think that's the reason that you can make fun of each other and fight because you know that at the end of the day, you're all on the same side, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing, too, with, with 555 is that we have people from around the country you know, involved with the organization and we're all the best of friends, even though, you know, you have mm -hmm. a guy from FDNY, Detroit, San Diego, New Jersey, uh, Texas, Florida, we're everywhere. Everybody does things a little differently. My buddy from San Diego told me how to put a palm tree out the other day. Like, yeah. palm, like palm tree. <laughs> gave me this whole big thing. I'm like, well, hey, if it ever happens, I'm ready. Like I got that Very in my noob, yeah. you know? I actually, uh, I forgot to tell you this, I think, but the other day, not the other day, two months ago now, I went into the gym and I was in one of my 555 t-shirts and one of the guys was like, oh, my buddy works with them. Um, 
And I was going to ask him the next time I saw him, like, oh, for infant details. But obviously, I haven't been back to the gym since. <laughs> that so, again, uh, man. so that conversation is going to The five um, yeah. The guy called me out. He recognized it. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, again, man, we, we appreciate the support. You know, that, that's, that's awesome. And that's one of the things, too, that, that Oliver and I spent. Oh, there's a dog there now. <laughs> um, I'm just coming to say hello. That's all right. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about um, fitness because that was something that, you know, we kind of had in common there. And you are, uh, your chosen lifestyle of eating would not be the most uh, popular in the firehouse. Are you vegan? I am, yeah, four years. That's, um, that's awesome. I, I can't do it myself, but. <laughs> oh, wait, we lost him. Did we oh, lose him? I lost him. Pip, I got to run now. <laughs> well, you can't. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to talk to myself. Oh, he's back. Oliver, are you there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Somebody started trying to call me. Oh, okay. the call. Um, so there I is. I don't want to run. I, I got to run because I got to go pick up our dinner because it's takeout Friday and we're trying to do it sure local businesses. But thank you for having me on. Pip, I'm sorry I'm leaving you hanging. Um, ah, no worries, man. Thanks for joining us. It was cool yeah. to do this, man. Yeah, it's like great it. to meet you. Oliver, it was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, to you. information for, um, from Pip and I'll send you some stuff out. So, Would love that. Thank you so much. It was, uh, yeah, it was really such a meeting. Not a problem. Have a good one. See you later, Let's see if he's going to pop out. All right. So, now, uh, now, bigger what I was going to say before, before, my, uh, before that call came in. So there's actually a firefighter. He's an ex-firefighter from now called Rip, Rip Esselstein. Yep. Um, uh, he, station he, 2, right? Engine 2. Oh, well, there you go. Engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a firefighter, and he then is completely vegan and uh, runs triathlons and such. And he went into a firehouse in New York and converted them all. I don't know if they stayed with it, but, but kind of <laughs> had them all eating vegan for a week and like showed them all their cholesterol numbers and, and how everything dropped. And uh, so he's, uh, he's leading the charge for firefighters eating that way. Yeah, because he, he has that brand Engine 2, which I think is exclusive to Whole Foods. And, uh, I tell you what, it's funny because the, re the way that I found out about him is because I was doing a show and walking around Whole Foods and it was like, Engine 2 brand. I was like, I, I should eat this. I should get that. I'm, I'm playing a fight fighter now. And um, so through that, just learned a little bit more. But, but yeah, I, I can only imagine that in most firehouses, it wouldn't be the, the most popular uh, or certainly the most common way of eating. It would be interesting for sure. And listen, man, I give you all the credit. I know I couldn't do it. I mean, it's just, I'm not a, a very strict diet type person to begin with, let's just say. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it, it's one of those things where if it works for you, I say do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not judgy about it. I, uh, I try not to be too preachy about it. I just kind of live this way. And, and, and if asked about it, I'm always happy to talk about it. And then I hope that just by showing that you can do it and still be physical and still eat good food, you know, slowly you start to convert people because that is the myth, right? That you can't be strong, you can't be fit yes. if you eat that way, where you get your protein from and all of that stuff. So just by kind of living as an example of it, I hope is more uh, useful and, and than being like, you should do this, you've got to go vegan, you've got to go vegan, you know, that, that just pushes people away rather just kind of set an example and, and show the proof that it can work for you. Yeah. And it's amazing how, too, when you hear things with diets, like, you know, when you get the preachiness or the pushiness, you know, if you, if you try that for anyone in the emergency services, they are going to push you away in a heartbeat, you know, like yeah. you have to somehow meet in the middle um, and figure out, you know, what's going to be the best for you. 
And with the firehouse, you know, I think one of the big things we found with 555 when we, we don't do much with nutrition, but we talk about just portion control because guys mm -hmm. in the station, I mean, you need to eat. We definitely need to eat because sure. you need to be ready to go. But, you know, there's always the old joke of like, you know, don't eat more than what will fit in your mask in case you have a fire. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah, say that to can, uh, yeah. you say that to a new kid and they look back at you and I'm like, oh, trust me, you don't want to find out what happens then. Um, uh, I have uh, I have never ever thought about that, and now I feel like I won't be able to stop thinking about that. <laughs> so Thanks for that one. You just need a little bit of smoke and a lot of food, and it's all gonna be it's all gonna be bad. No. You know, do do you find that you know for the most part there is an impetus on fitness in firehouses, and that 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 most guys are trying to stay in shape and. Um, so in today's fire department, today's fire service, yes. Um, again, 16 years ago when I started, not so much, um, especially on the East Coast. We are definitely a little slower on the health tick, um, where mm -hmm. California, Colorado, um, Texas, Florida, you know, they seem to be 10 years ahead of us easily when it comes to health and wellness. Um, however... These past five years has been to put a real emphasis on our personal health and wellness, you know, between um, fitness with, with cardiac related disease and stroke, um, cancer becoming so prevalent within the fire service, um, and then the mental stressor end of it. Um, and us talking about mm -hmm. things like PTSD and, you know, just different mental stresses and suicide and things. So all that is really coming to light um, and it's causing a lot of positive change. It's great, yeah. Because I, you know, I can I can imagine that uh, perhaps a, a more stubborn older generation, not quite going down that path, but but so it's good that it's become part of the conversation, and and you know, got to be able to, to to get up those stairs, I guess, and take care. Yeah, I mean, of that's it. And that, that's kind of where five 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 was born too. Was you know, out of a, a firefighter, a captain in Texas, who was basically like, "Enough is enough." With with cardiac related mm -hmm. diseases being our leading killer year after year, and he started on Facebook and was like, "I'm going to get these younger guys." You know, all the young kids are on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. This is going back. We're seven years now in, and what we found within like the first year and a half was that yeah, the younger generation was jumping on board. But that older stubborn guy, the guy like in his 40s, like 45 to 50 age, mm -hmm. was starting to reach out and say like, hey, you know, you guys are, are speaking the truth here and I need to change. Um, so it's been a really cool thing in the fire service to see that change starting to happen. That's great. I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear it. And you know, maybe they'll be vegan soon enough. I don't know about that, man. Let's not, let's not push that. <laughs> let's not push it, right? Portion control. Use smaller portions, right? Instead one, of the, one thing at a time. Baby steps. One thing at a time. Exactly. <laughs> I, I've got nine years left. In nine years, you guys can go totally vegan if that's what you want to do. <laughs> it's funny. When we do uh, like eating scenes in the firehouse, uh, it's not really that my characters are vegan or anything. So I just kind of pick at the salad around the stuff on my plate because there's never, you know, never a time when I go in for any of the meat or anything I, I eat Buck eats a lot of vegetables on camera because I never go in for any of the other stuff it's just so, uh, a nice grilled steak slowly, just sitting subliminally I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm easing that in uh, just under the radar oh dude man firehouse steak steak night is the best night in the firehouse i'm sorry it's just hands down can't be just i wouldn't know <laughs> i will 
I mean, I would once upon a time have known and been all about it, but uh, yeah, just not, not anymore. But it's one of those things too, where even when we talk about vegetables, you know, and like, you know, you can make vegetables taste really good. You know, like how you cook them, you know, if you're such a good firehouse cook, you know, make a, a vegetable taste good and everybody's going to eat it. Yeah. And, and is that a real thing that there is the cook? Like there's always one guy that does a lot of cooking. Oh, uh, for the most part. Yeah. Like on my shift, we have one guy that does most of the cooking now. Mm -hmm. um, so you have your firehouse chefs, you know, and, and you always want the guy who does it the best. I mean, I want to eat well while I'm there. So I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our guy was on vacation the other day, and uh, we have some rookies. And one of the guys was like, why don't we let the rookies cook? And I'm like, why don't we do our part and support a local restaurant and order out tonight? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Didn't quite have that trust. Huh? Yeah. Uh, let them try to cook on a night I'm on vacation, maybe. I, I say we yeah. this way. They can uh, they practice at home a little bit first. Yeah. But uh, so speaking to with fitness and kind of how we even started talking and everything like what what have you been doing? I know you one of the things you told me early on was you were starting to you wanted to prep and train like a firefighter. But what's your fitness routine look like? Yeah. So so I kind of go in phases. So, yeah, I think I think, you know, that was about a year ago. You know, I was used to a lot of like the brute force sandbags and everything um, where I wanted to feel like I could do the job. I didn't want to just look a certain way I wanted to feel athletically capable to drag someone out of the building to climb up a ladder to, to, to do whatever you know I felt like that job would entail um, and you know being on TV there is a certain look that you need to have as well so my, my, my thing there was you know I'll train for, for the job and my body will follow suit so there was a lot of that um, at the moment I uh, as soon as everything started shutting down and I figured gym equipment was going to become really hard to get a hold of. So I, I pulled the trigger very early and I've got, I've got quite a nice setup here actually now. I've got like a squat rack, I've got a bench, I've got a bar, I've got a stationary bike and I've got basically everything I need. So. Nice lifting and, and and you know focusing on my strength at the moment because i don't really like going for runs especially with a mask on um, if you're going to run even even then wear a mask and that sounds horrible to me so uh so i'm just kind of yeah just 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 lifting and uh and doing some kind of conditioning stuff out of the back and just trying to trying to stay in that shape for, for when season four does come around because who knows when that will be yeah, you don't, you don't want to be the one guy who didn't stay in shape in the off-season. Yeah, I write something about it, and I'd be like, yeah, but guys, it was, we were quarantined, and everybody tells me, it's like, well, I made it work. So, <laughs> so, but also, you know, kind of as you say, even just the mental aspect while being locked down, like that, that's a real, you know, being able to get out of the back and train there, just for my own sanity, not even just for my physical wellness, for my mental wellness, is, is become really important. And the more that I've started to enjoy it, the more I've needed it mentally. Um, so, so yeah, it was important to stay on top of it for those reasons as well. I think I would, I would not be feeling great in myself if I'd let that slip. Yeah, man. And that, that's a huge thing for us too, you know, as emergency responders, like that mental wellness aspect of working out, you know, like I always make, mm -hmm. you know, I lift heavy things so I don't punch people in the face, but yeah, it's the truth, you know, that that keeps me grounded for sure. Yeah. And you have to have a way to, Kind of release that tension and, and go to another place and if you can 
put that focus into whatever it is, that barbell, that dumbbell, whatever it, you know, happens to be that sandbag. It's, uh, I think it's really therapeutic. Oh, especially the sandbag. You know, my wife and I did a workout yesterday where we both use sandbags and uh, it finished each round finished with a, a sandbag thruster. So the sandbag was mm-hmm. up over your head and you got to just slam it down mm-hmm. and it was 30 rounds. And I'm like, man, if I did this with dumbbells, I couldn't, I wouldn't like it as much. Cause I don't get to slam the dumbbell yeah, 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 and have to yeah, gently yeah, yeah, yeah. place it on the ground. So that slamming that sandbag down got me through 30 rounds of hell. No, so. absolutely. Like, and, and that's the key to fitness, right? It's whatever gets you through it, finding the things that, that make it doable and, and you know, another huge, for me, mental benefit of it, sense of achievement, right? That can lift that a month ago, now I can lift that weight. Like there's, so there's these little goals, these little barriers that you can smash through. And, and once you do that in a little way, I think they, they start adding up and they start translating to other areas of your life as well. You go, well, I was able to push through and get this thing in my fitness aspect. So why in this aspect of my life can't I do the same? Exactly. And then too, for us, when you think about that with work, like I know I just worked, put everything out on the table in a workout for 30 minutes. So when that fire does come in, I know that I have 30 minutes of solid work in me that Mm -hmm. I can put out, you know, and you really test yourself in those instances. Um, And for me, that's been huge. And then something that maybe most people don't do while they're working out is I try to work on mental games in my head you know, where like I'm deep in a workout like 20 minutes in and I'm trying to think of things like that I'd be doing in a fire mm-hmm. um, just so that I'm so worn out, but I'm working my mind too to stay training and using it for things like that. Yeah, because I guess in your job more than most is having to pair the mental with the physical and, and, and be able to do both at the same time. Yeah, and that's that look that you gave when, you know, you rescued one person from the water during mm-hmm. the tsunami and you turn around and you see 12 more and you're like, you got to be kidding me. Like you just said mm-hmm. that captain said, I mean, that granted the tsunami might have been a little bit off kilter where that wasn't going to happen, but it could. As we say, anything can happen on any day um, and you have to be ready for all of it. So I think um, like you and I talked about, even though the show is a show, there's still that aspect of anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's the case of putting real life context into exaggerated situations (laughs) yes exactly and that interpersonalness you know that that all the characters seem to to play with each other and put out there really is is key and that this i i keep going back to that dispatcher end and i really didn't even think we would talk Mm -hmm. about that but i just think it's such a big highlight for them because they're like the unsung heroes they don't get any awards they don't get any accolades you know like there's no uh you know, uh, dispatcher of metal day or anything like that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I shouldn't say that places do do that, but it's not a very but, big fanfare. Well, yeah. And I, and I think because, and you know, just through ignorance and no, no, no malice, most people think, oh, I just sit here and answer the phones. And of course it's not that it's so much training and, and, you know, as Rob was saying, so much of a psychological impact on them as well. And, and, you know, there's so much that goes into that job that I just think we don't think about. Yeah, no one, no one definitely does. And that's, that's something now I have a whole nother guest that I got to get on. I got to get on a few of my dispatch friends and have them come yeah, on and should. talk about really their should, yeah. Like, so it's, it's always good when you learn something in a podcast from someone too, to, to say, like, <laughs> and maybe, you know, if you can make a call to Jennifer Love Hewitt, if she wants to come on and talk about her experience. More I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. 
<laughs> more than happy to interview her there. But speaking, speaking <laughs> of the show and, and celebrities and all, I have a co-host that wants to join me here for a little bit of the, towards the end wrap up. Let's do it. Come on over, Finn, man. Yeah, bring your questions. Come on, man. Slide in. So come on, hop in. I just got to get ready. Hold on. So I'm for those sick. of you out in the, in the size up land who don't know, this is my son, Finn. Finn will be 10 in three weeks. Yep, just three weeks from now. Um, and he's really the reason Oliver and I met because he was a fan of 911. Yeah. And we told him buck like 555. It was pretty much all over, right, buddy? <laughs> so he came up with some questions from Buck. He's going to go ahead and ask away here and, and we'll see where we go. So one at a time, buddy. Go ahead. But look, I got to read a little too. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. How do you think the stuff in the show relate? relates to like real people who are firefighters like in the in real life yeah i, I hope we do a good job of, of making them feel seen and represented and um, kind of showing the emotions that they may go through on any given day and and making that kind of accessible so that everyday people can can understand what a firefighter goes through and feels when they're running into danger you think he does a good job of that? I mean, you know, you, you live with a firefighter, right? Yeah. He did I tell did. me he did tell me I'm not as cool as Buck once. I never though. said that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a pretty high bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got? Number two. Why did you choose to become an actor? Um, I it wasn't what I'd always wanted to do. I just I'd always done it, but I didn't think it was gonna be my career. Um, and then when I was about 18, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I thought, hey, there's this thing that I have always enjoyed. Maybe there is a way I can actually make a living out of it. That, that would be a dream, right? To make a living out of something you enjoy. So I uh, just slowly started creeping into it and trying it out. And um, thankfully, you know, it moved in the right direction. And, and here I am now. Pretty awesome. And too, that's, again, with emergency services responders, you know, we all love our jobs you know you mm -hmm. couldn't do this job if you didn't love it absolutely I can, yeah like so i i'm not the kind of job where you think oh i'm gonna go to work again it's like this is this is you know it's who you are yeah and again too in, in full like this show is all about honesty and things i would say that the first shift that i went into once covid19 really once everything became real you know lockdown mm -hmm. started happening and the call volumes changed it was the first time I ever, I didn't want to go to work. Yeah. Wow. I, honestly, the night before, like I barely slept. Like I, I, I didn't want to go in there because I didn't, it was such an unknown for us. And it's still an unknown now, mm -hmm. but in the beginning, you know, it was just, you just didn't want to go. It was very, like you said, it was. And I, and I guess, you know, we're very adaptable beings, humans. So I guess now it's kind of become the new normal in some respects. Whereas, yeah, I can imagine the first day, the first week was like, you just don't know what you're going into yeah and i mean if you think about like the hierarchy of things with you have a, a captain on your show i'm a lieutenant like it felt like every time i came down to where the guys were they would just look at me because they knew i was going to have a new order or a new memo mm -hmm. or something just changed you know and it it became a that became something that got us through you know like three shifts in where it's like uh lt's coming downstairs like here we go what's what's new yeah, what's yeah, changing? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it's those things that get you through like that, but we all still love it, you know, and that's why we do it. So, of course. All right, what's your last one, Bubs? This is the last one. 
How hard is it to put on an American accent the whole time? It's something that I've, uh, so I've lived here in America for four years, right? So no, I'm, it's around me all the time. So I think I'm always taking it in. And um, some days are harder than others. Sometimes it depends what the words and the scripts are. There are certain phrases that I just, for no real reason, happen to struggle with more than others. But uh, I, always, I always find a way, hopefully. And, uh, you know, just lots of hard work and, and putting in the time to, to, to make it feel easy. Uh, when it when it isn't always to begin with, I think that was one of the biggest things for this guy when uh, when we became friends on Instagram and you went for the first mm -hmm. time on live and you were mm -hmm. talking and I'm like, man, is that the right guy? And he's like, yeah, that's him. And I'm like, you sound like the right guy to me. Like, that's right <laughs> well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing from my point of view. Right? You figured that one out. What else? You got anything else for Mr. Buck there? For Mr. Oliver? No, I'm calling you Buck. Buck the firefighter. Like. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so what what do you got out there? So we got season season three finale. You can hang out for a little bit, but starts if we get out before Monday, it's gonna be Monday night, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we've got this uh, huge uh, train derailment that um was was a lot of work went into and I think that there was a really huge train derailment i hope i'm not wrong when i say this i think it was in chatsworth um in in california we had one of the guys that in fact the guy that ran that scene come in and work with the writers and he was on set with us and and to kind of try and replicate some some of the reality of what they dealt with um through that so yeah lots of chaos and and, and a real mass casualty situation and it's it was a big one the kind of one where we get to the set and they've got this train hoisted up in the air and we're just like i can't believe this is the set today this is the, the thing that we get to go and work in and climb around in it's a it's a pretty huge one yeah and you're that's definitely something that happens it does not happen every day you know we we train for events like that if you have a, i have the northeast corridor that runs through my city mm -hmm. so you know we we train for things like that but you know has not happened, knock on whatever no. I can think of, you know, in my career there, whatever, but, you know, those are real life incidents and, you know, probably having someone on set there, you know, that went through it to explain to yeah. you how that is and the pure use that word chaos. And, and that's what an emergency scene is. It's controlled chaos. And, especially yeah, and I, I, one, one thing he said to me that really stuck out, right. That illuminated this kind of whole other part of the job that I've never thought about was, so the train was on its side. So they had to go in through the windows and the way that it had ended is some of the people that didn't make it, their bodies were on top. So they had to go through these bodies to get to the people that they could help. But they said that, you know, ideally they just cast those bodies aside because there are people down there that needed to help. But because there was such media attention, obviously they couldn't be shown to just be throwing these dead bodies out of this train. So it kind of slowed everything down. And thinking about having to balance the kind of media aspect with actually just getting the job done. And there are people down there that we can save and, and just a whole other element of the job that I never really thought about. Oh, and, and that's something too that now is even more prevalent because when we pull up on calls, all, all you see is this. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, we've all got one now, yeah. And now too, everyone can be live. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because now you have Facebook Live, Instagram Live. Um, so that has been a huge change um, in not the way that we operate so much, but just something that we have to be aware of. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, yeah, like, you know, they were, either way they were trying to get there to say they were doing the right thing, but it was a way that might be considered disrespectful or something. And it's like, but this is the job, right? Right now, there are actually people we can save. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must have been in that moment of if we lose someone because of this, that's just, you know, that's a hard one to take. Yeah, it's definitely a, a new mental stressor that we are uh, constantly on camera everywhere mm-hmm. we go. You know, everything we do is recorded. Um, you know, if we go to we go to fires now, we scan the crowd after the fire and ask people for their cell phone video because we use that for training now because you can actually go back. Wow. And see what you yeah, did, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, we have one. I posted a fire that I was on last summer right up the street from my firehouse, and I mean, it was rocking when we pulled out the door there was a guy who had probably one of the best videos I've seen of our fires, but he's singing a Dominican song, Fuego Fuego, the entire time we're doing it. It's like three minutes. The guy sings the whole song while he's videoing us uh, us at work. And uh, it's like, you know, when you bring your own hype man to the fire, that's what we do. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Finn? We brought the hype man to that fire? That, that was a weird one. Like, the guy's just standing there looking at the fire, and he's like, so but that's another huge aspect of that so it's again these are things that honestly even talking to you a few times i never really we never got too deep dived into it like we did a little Mm. more today it's it's amazing to hear you know just how much you guys are are putting into this to make this show more realistic even saying like mass casualty incident you know like mci that's a a term most people don't know i stole that that one from the script Well, trying to sound trying to sound in the know you sounded official like man you got me there we go sure. i'll take it i'll take it so you're finishing up with that you know season four has been picked up which i know you know for anyone having another season is a big deal um right now yeah no. i tell you it's, it's, it's especially nice right now You got you got anything else in the works you want to promote while you're on the? Not that many people listen to my podcast, but you know you got. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Uh, just you know, nine more months takes up most of my time, and uh, and you know, just hope everybody's staying safe and and taking the precautions they're meant to be taking, and and you know, thank you for what you do. Um, you know, it's it's much appreciated, and and I hope that what I'm doing is is showing some kind of tribute and, and paying tribute to, 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 to you guys. Nah, man, we, we, I appreciate you, dude. I appreciate everything you've done, you know, and just to like, you know, Oliver's been so cool with Finn, like since day one, when I met him, like, you know, Finn gets birthday messages from him and just cool stuff. So I can't thank you enough for all that. You know, that, that support is awesome for family. Um, where can everybody find you on social media? Twitter, Instagram, Oliver Stark, two K's. It's where I am. That's where you can see more things of my face if you want to. <laughs> you can watch know. live episodes of 911 with Oliver and comment on it too. Occasionally, yeah. Um, but apart from that, you know, if this does end up going up before, then I hope people will check out the finale 911, which is uh, Monday the 11th at 8 p.m. on Fox. And it'll be cool if people could tune in. 
It's not like they got anything else to do but watch TV. I mean, they've probably already seen Tiger King like that. six times. I mean, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly that. <laughs> awesome, Oliver. Well, man, thanks for coming out with me. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at, at the underscore size underscore up. We are on YouTube. Um, where are we on now? And I got to remember YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Go on there and drop some five-star ratings because apparently that's a big deal in the podcast world, which I still am not sure how it all works. Um, <laughs> I want to thank National Fire Radio for all their support and letting the size up happen and, and giving me the platform to put these messages out there. Um, and don't forget to check out our friends Rush the Bus. Um, they just got on iTunes and I believe SoundCloud as well as YouTube. You know, Julie and Pete, are really the true frontline responders for the COVID-19 um, response in, in Brooklyn. Um, and I know they're going to be talking a lot about that in the next few weeks here. So check them out too. And we will catch up with you on the next episode.